This is Sam Oser, host of Left of Liberal Reporting, every Saturday at 1.30 p.m. at the intersections of class, race, and gender. Today, we are going to be talking about county jails. We have some special guests with us today. We have uh, Gabriella with the Texas Jail Project, and we have Goldie with us. Uh, Goldie is wife of uh, <laughs> of Jerome, who was criminalized for his PTSD as a black veteran and as bipolar disorder. Um, today is going to be an important conversation about our jails and about the systemic nature of profit and how it seeks out to commodify every aspect of our life, even when incarcerating people who aren't even convicted. So uh, hang on tight. This is going to be a good one. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, thank you for taking time today to talk to me. This is um, a hard issue. And uh, I really do appreciate you taking time to, to join me. Thank um, you, Sam. We're very glad to be here. Yeah. Yes. Um, so the very first thing is uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, the Texas Jail Project and um, some bills that you guys faced and then how you guys were able to stop it and some of the testimony that you did. Uh, so, sure. yeah. Uh, Texas Jail Project's a 15-year-old grassroots uh, advocacy organization. We listen, inform, and advocate for people in county jails. Um, that's an important distinction. County jails, uh, unlike uh, state jails or prisons, um, with some exceptions, are not typically where people sit out their sentences once they're convicted of a crime. Um, but for, for the most part, people in our county jails are pre-trial, so they've not been convicted of their crime yet and are waiting for their case to be resolved. Um, a lot of people have the idea that people only spend a few nights in county jail. Uh, that's a huge misconception. In Harris County Jail here in Houston, for example, the average person has been there for over 220 days um, for a variety of reasons. And uh, pretrial detention is not just housing somebody until their case is resolved, but we're exposing them to uh, sexual and physical assault, to dehumanizing conditions um, that plague all of the county jails across our state. Um, our organization was founded 15 years ago. It was born out of an environmental activist protest. Um, co-founder uh, Diane and it was staging a protest against Dow Chemical um, for their complicity in um, the Union Carbide disaster in India uh, and was arrested and, and spent several months in jail and um, learned firsthand what it was like to be a woman incarcerated in county jail. And uh, from that day, Texas Jail Project's goal 
has been to uplift the stories of people that have been impacted by county jail incarceration. Uh, we function as advocates, so intervening in a person's case to advocate for diversion. Uh, as storytellers, so documenting the experiences of people in county jails and as activists. So Texas Jail Project has been responsible um, for a lot of landmark legislation, including the first anti-shackling uh, rights for pregnant people in county jails and uh, for the first uh, reporting requirements. Uh, so before Texas Jail Project intervened, uh, county jails didn't even have to count the number of pregnant people they had in their care. Um, so for 15 years, that's what we've been doing. Of course, our work took a new life of its own after the COVID-19 pandemic began. Um, and what we saw was that uh, all of the problems that existed in county jails before the pandemic were exacerbated. Uh, in rural communities in Texas, public health has been defunded for decades. Hospitals are closing. Schools are closing. Uh, and in its place, the county jail now functions in a lot of communities as, a, in, as an emergency room. Um, so it is our mission to remind people that the people in county jails are not this um, kind of stereotypical idea of a hardened criminal. These are people with disabilities, uh, pregnant people, mothers, um, largely poor people, and they've not yet been convicted uh, for their crime for the most part. About 80% of the population in Harris County is pretrial. That's... Um the, that number, about 80%, is just so jarring to me every single time I hear it. Because, you know, we are under this idea that we live in a democratic country where you have, like, this due process before, and they're sitting in there, 80% of them, without due process, without being convicted. Um, and we're still like, rah, 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 USA. Um, that's a very jarring number every time. Um so there were a few bills that were going to uh, hurt the work that you guys are doing and make it difficult um, to access and help people in jail, uh, let alone like throw the whole system away. Could you speak uh, more on those bills and uh, the testimony that you gave? Yeah, so this legislative session was a wild one. I think uh, a lot of people would agree. Um, it was a really hard fight. Uh, at the beginning of the session, Governor Abbott and Lieutenant Governor uh, Dan Patrick had uh, signaled that an emergency priority for them, in addition to the voter suppression bill and transporting bill, um, that they wanted to see, quote unquote, bail reform passed. So this was a, an urgent um, special agenda item for both the governor and the lieutenant governor. However, uh, bail reform is not what it was. Uh, they co-opted language um, of activists, of pretrial uh, bail fights that have been happening across the country for uh, years, if not decades. Um, and it was a package of bills that that just would have led to more pretrial detention. It would have been a, a massive expansion of people in jail before they're convicted. And uh, in order to pass those bills, they needed even a constitutional amendment. Uh, that was HJR4 that would have... Uh, rolled back your right to be presumed innocent when charged with a crime. And if that constitutional amendment had passed, then they would have been able to pass um, HB 20, is what it was called in the end, which was just the language of the Senate Bill 21. Um, that would, bill would have uh, placed uh, enormous restrictions on community bail funds. Uh, our organization does operate a community bail fund in Tyler, Texas. Um, it would have made it uh, impossible for us to continue um, serving that community by paying people's bails. 
Um, it also would have expanded the number of charges that would have let a judge or a magistrate hold somebody um, without the possibility of a moneyless bond. So the, the only way an indigent person can get out of jail without paying anything is something called a PR bond, a personal recognizance bond. And uh, these bills would have added to the list of charges that would have prevented you from ever being able to get a moneyless bond. Uh, those charges included assault, which is something we see uh, disproportionately associated with people with disabilities. Their symptoms are labeled and charged by the police as violence, but but really their symptoms. Um, in Montgomery County, just north of here, of course, we had a, a case of a young man with Tourette syndrome who received an assault on a police officer charge just because he was exhibiting muscular tics of a Tourette's attack. Um, burglary was a charge that would have um, only been able to be given a moneyless bond by the judge that was hearing the case, not a magistrate. Um, that's a charge we often see with uh, unhoused populations who themselves disproportionately have uh, disabilities. Um, it was a terrifying, terrifying fight, um, and Goldie came with us to the Capitol to testify in front of the Senate against Senate Bill 21. Uh, so I don't know if you want to Yeah, talk Goldie, tell us about that. Uh, yeah, my husband is a veteran. I'm a veteran as well. So uh, I had to go testify and just let them know that, you know, uh, veterans that are, you know, in jail, they're mostly suffering from PTSD. Most of them are, you know, uh they are self-medicating and, you know, they have uh, thought about suicide at one time or another, you know, in reference, you know, them being a veteran, having served, served in combat. And uh, Jerome was in um, combat setting and he was in the U.S. Navy for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And I'm also a veteran. I was in the veteran. I was in the military for uh, six years mm -hmm. in the United States Navy. So I just went to them and told them, you know, how that would affect especially when they arrest veterans suffering from PTSD in reference to the bond. Jerome's bond was like $100,000. There's no way I could have, you know, paid that. And then plus their bonds are set at a high rate. And, uh, you know, he, 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 you know, didn't go see a judge or he was, he had a lawyer who was court appointed. And then, you know, when they get the lawyers, the lawyers know nothing about them at all. Mm -hmm. The court appointed lawyers know nothing about them. Um, he only saw his lawyer the day of the trial, and that's uh, the day, not the, not the trial, but the day that he went to see the judge, you know, and they hold a lot of them, you know, like Gabrielle was saying, for pre-trial, um, they haven't even been convicted of a crime yet, you know, and uh, they haven't proved that they were innocent yet, or, you know, they just hold them there, and um, some of the people in jail with him now, they have been there for a year without even seeing a lawyer, that's... That's unhumane. I, I can't, whatever happened to a speedy trial? There's no such thing at Harris County. Yeah. No such thing as a speedy That's trial. That's not democratic. There. No, 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 it's not. And, uh, you know, during the pandemic, and just like during the pandemic now, their pre-trial, their dates are getting reset. They'll go like in February and then they get a reset date reset date for February, March, April, May. Then they go back in May. They get another reset date for September. So the judge just keeps resetting and resetting and resetting their case, uh, which means that they're locked up at a, you know, at a long amount of time without even... Is is there a reason for resetting their case or is it like just because? 
it just why, why, what is the reason for resetting a case there can be a variety of reasons if the prosecutor or the court appointed attorney is not ready uh if the uh, person that's incarcerated was exposed to COVID 19 they have to enter a quarantine period so they're not able to visit court for two weeks right. that was a huge problem that we saw at the height of the pandemic where yeah. people were receiving court dates but were always being exposed to COVID, so always in quarantine and, and had to miss their court dates but Goldie brings up two really important problems that are unique to Harris County. Uh, one is the felony bond amounts. Those have continued to trend higher and higher in the past two years, even throughout the pandemic where most families have taken a hit to their income. Um, the actual amount of money bond that's being set keeps trending higher. And the second is the um, the status of indigent defense. So I think everybody pretty pretty well culturally know from watching like Law and Order, you have a right to an attorney. Right. Yeah. Uh, in Harris County, that that attorney is appointed by your judge. Um, the system in Harris County is corrupt, as we see it. We see some court appointed attorneys with a hundred, two hundred other cases open, um, and it, there is a culture of meet them and plead them, and. Uh, Pre-trial detention is itself a pressure. Uh, the longer you're in jail, the more you want to take a guilty plea and get out. And so the longer somebody stays and the longer somebody goes without speaking to their lawyer, uh, the more likely they are to plead to a, a crime they probably didn't commit. Yes. Um, and so Texas Jail Project um, has really t followed the lead of a group here in Harris County called Restoring Justice to try and reform the defense process here in Harris County. Uh, we signed on to a petition last year for caseload limits for court-appointed attorneys. Um, and we want to see an expansion of the public defender's office, which is separate than just a court-appointed attorney on the list. Um, but it is absolutely broken. And like Goldie said, um, incarcerated people will go months and months without speaking to their attorney. And when they do, they are pressured to take a plea deal. Um, that reminds me. Uh, so I spoke to Judge Genesis Draper about two weekends ago, and she was telling me about there is a new Harris County program to uh, have a third party appoint lawyers uh, for the judges. Have um, you guys seen anything from that yet? A MAC, a managed assigned counsel. Yes. Um, so I, that was probably, and I can't speak for certain as to what they were, but I, I think that's for misdemeanors. Okay. Um, yeah. On the felony yeah. side, uh, I think we want, definitely want an expansion of the public defender's office as a long-term solution. A MAC would be great as well. Um, but That one is misdemeanors. Mm -hmm. you're, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're right. I just yes. completely forgotten about that. Um, so, Goldie, how, how was your testimony received? At the legislative session, how uh, did you think it went? It it, it went well. They yeah. received it well because you know they they thank me for my service. You know, like a lot of people do, they thank veterans for their service, but they don't do anything to assist veterans. You know, going through these things. Right. And um, you know, that's one of my little pet peeves right there. You know, of course, you know, and then you know, my husband, he's been separated from us. You know, he's missed anniversaries, birthdays, plays. You know, for 20 years, he was out at sea for 10 years, going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. He's been all over the world, uh, you know, fighting for this country. So when they say thank you for your service, do they actually mean it? I mean, you know, what can, you know, show us what you can do for veterans who are out there homeless, uh, suffering from PTSD and, you know, can't get the medical help that's needed for them. So, you know, that's one of my things that I wish they would just 
take a you know just take a good look at yeah yeah thank you's not enough where's the action yeah yeah that's um yeah um so none of those bills made it no, no yay. thank goodness yeah <laughs> it was a, a very long few months a few sleepless nights sprinkled in there um we're very very grateful to um the courage of the texas House Democrats uh, who did leave and broke quorum um, primarily for the voter suppression bill SB7, um, but but that action that they took was um, eventually what broke both bills uh, HB20 and HJR4 from being able to pass. We do expect Governor Abbott to add it to the special session in the fall, um, but we're really optimistic that with more time to mobilize support, remind people the stakes that um, you never know where your life's going to go. You never know, you know, that the system has a way of getting, getting people Yeah, and uh, your rights could be at stake. You might never think that you'd be charged with a crime, especially one you didn't commit. Uh, but it's really important that we protect our right to be presumed innocent. Um, and it, it took a lot of fight just to get here, to get it not passed in, in the initial session. It was a the product of a lot of work from a lot of organizations, a lot of grassroots work and uh, Texas jail project in particular really tried to mobilize the support of disability rights organizations yes. because of how ableist the bills were, how the charges that were called out were ones typically associated with people with disabilities. Um, there was even something so on the uh, idea of setting high bond amounts. So, one way they tried to appease, I guess, activists was saying, including in SB 21, uh, that a person could file an affidavit after their bond was set, kind of saying how much they could actually afford and uh, um, objecting to the, the amount. And that affidavit would then start a process where a person would need to report their income for the past several years, debts owed, um, like all of their assets, things that stress me out, <laughs> you know, and I'm pretty, yeah. I'm pretty organized and on top of it. Um, but to do that in a county jail setting, and especially to expect a person with disability who's decompensating quickly in a jail setting to know they have that right and then act upon it, was just, it was fundamentally going to be inaccessible to a person with a disability. So there was a, a lot of room there. And um, yeah. I think with the support of groups like Disability Rights Texas, um, we we're able to uh, catch the ear of, of some of the, the policymakers. That's that's good, at least. Um, I have zero faith in our system, whether it's Democrats at the helm, Republicans at the helm, like all of it, like it's it's all just rigged for profit. I agree. So it's really nice to hear that there was some grassroots efforts that actually did something. <laughs> that's, it's not too often we get to hear that. Um, so that's that's really awesome. Um, well, let's take a short little music break, and then next up, we're going to be talking about um, a Sim the Simmons case. Uh, they it was ruled a homicide in the Harris County Jail, but there is now a criminal investigation, and it, the criminal investigation smells like poo poo. Something's not something's not right there still. So we're going to talk about that, um, and we'll be right back. Special for me, there for times When you need someone Set a highway there for you Hey yo, I know you ain't 
South floor, South greedy. I embrace y'all with napalm. Blows up, no guts. Left chest, face gone. Out the knives be garbage. That your pilots at the side of your dome. Come out of my throne. I got this. Lock since 9-1. I am the truest. Name a rapper that I ain't influenced. Gave y'all chapters, but now I keep my eyes on the Judas. With Hawaiian Sophie fame, kept my name in his music. Check it out. Mess with your soul like ether. Well, Teach you the king, you know you. Godson across the belly. No, I prove you lost already. Uh, Yo, pass me the L. Let me put my ass out on these little dudes. All y'all little girls kneel down. Kiss the ring. Uh, Mess with your soul like ether. Well, Teach you the king, you know you. Godson across the belly. No, I prove you lost already. I've been uh, over, left for dead, distant, forgotten. Luck ran out. They hope that I'd be gone, stiff and rotten. Y'all just on me, on me, spit on my grave, uh, talk about me, laugh behind my back, but in my face, shot some well-wishing, friendly acting, envy hiding snakes, with your hands out for my money, man, how much can I take when the streets keep calling, heard it when I was asleep, that this gazy and could feel a wrecking point of started cocking up my slowly loading up this to explode it on a camel and his soldiers, I can handle this Dolo and his manuscript, just sounds stupid when KRS already made an album called Blueprint First, Biggie's your man, then you got the nerve to say that you better than big, sucking lips, won't you let the late great uh, veteran live, well, nah, son across the belly, Lose. I prove you lost the rent, uh, king is back, just joining us we are talking to Gabriella with Texas Jail Project and we are talking to Goldie who is also an activist with the Texas uh, Jail Project and her um, husband is was criminalized for um, his PTSD as a black veteran and his bipolar disorder we are talking about the Harris County Jail 
in the Harris County Jail, uh, Jakari Simmons was murdered. I think murdered is accurate. Absolutely. Yes. Um, it has been announced that his death was ruled a homicide. Uh, Jakari Simmons uh, was incarcerated in Harris County Jail, and during the week of the winter storm, over a period of 24 hours and three separate incidents. And I, I guess I'll pause here and just give a quick content warning for those that are listening. Um, but th- this description will include some violence. Um, Jakari Simmons was a young black man, like I said, incarcerated in Harris County Jail uh, in the quarantine area of the jail. And um, over a period of 24 hours and three separate times was uh, beaten by Harris County jailers. Um after they beat him repeatedly, they refused to take him for the medical care that was instructed to be performed. Um, medical did say that he needed an x-ray and follow-up scans, and the jailers uh, n- never took him for that. Um, that was the week of the winter storm, so in the coldest night in the state of um, the history of our state, um, that's what the jailers chose to do to a 20-something young black man. Um Last week, Harris County Sheriff Ed Gonzalez held a press conference where he um, announced that the administrative investigation had concluded and that 11 jailers uh, would be fired and I think another six were on administrative leave. Um, At this time now, the death is being, uh, his murder is being investigated by Houston Police Department uh, for a criminal investigation, uh, which would then go to the district attorney. Um... When a death happens inside uh, custody of Harris County Jail, um, the jail can or needs to elicit a third-party agency to investigate the death, and um, we expected that to be the Texas Rangers, since Houston Police Department was the arresting agency for Jakari, so they were the ones that arrested him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have questions. Um, we're, we also know that this is too little too late, that this is the symptom of a system um, that claims to care about public safety, um, but does this to people in in their care and in their custody. Um, So 11 people being fired is a start, um, but for months, uh, Jakari's mother, LaRonda, was given the runaround by the sheriff's office. Um, To my knowledge, she's still not seen the full autopsy. Um, And I understand there are limits with the investigation, uh, but... But Miss Biggles deserves better. Uh, her son should still be with us today. And uh, this is why we continue to call for a diversion of resources, funding and otherwise, away from corrections, away from punishment, into diversion and care for our communities. Um, because uh, like our director, Krish Gundu, said, this is a system that's gorged itself on resources under the pretext of public safety and done the exact opposite of that. Um, so we, we don't think there will be justice for Jakari in any kind of criminal or legal sense. Um, justice looks like to us an acknowledgement that this is an inherently violent system uh, and will continue to be so. Um, another thing that, that worried us at the press conference by Ed Gonzalez was the question of cameras. Uh, so no video camera footage has been released uh, related to Jakari's homicide. Um, two things. Uh, concern us. One is why there would was wouldn't be any video. Uh, the sheriff says that happens really quickly, and they just moved out of frame. But but it was three incidents over twenty four hours. 
right. uh, in a facility that is covered by cameras. Um, and then he used that argument as a justification to continue expanding the amount of cameras inside the facility. Um, sounds good, right? Until you remember, <laughs> they're already gorging themselves on hundreds of millions of dollars of our county's budget over and over and over again. If you, you know, combine the budgets of police and corrections and sheriffs. Um, and so this is just another justification to continue expanding their budget under the guise of it'll make us do better if we're on camera. The same kind of false promise that body cameras were given to us that would stop killings. Um, uh, so, so we don't want this to be a justification to buy more cameras. Um, yeah. But we're extremely troubled by one, that there wasn't any footage. And two, that jailers likely knew where the cameras were in the facility and um, made sure they weren't on them. Yes. Goldie, could you talk about that with your yes. husband? Uh, yes. Uh, a lot of people don't know that in the Harris County Jail, um, the guards, they know where the cameras are. There are a lot of blind spots that the camera, you know, can't pick them up at. And that's what they usually, they usually go to that, go, usually go to that area to beat up on someone or punch someone or drag someone, you know. And I hear uh, my husband has told me a lot about that that's going on in jail as well. Um mm. And so, you know, like if somebody is locked up for 24 hours, you know, or 23 hours and they're let out for an hour or so. And, you know, they're, they're really upset because they're, they have been locked up for that long. So, you know, they're kind of edgy and stuff. So in order to calm them down, the guards will take them, you know, to a little a spot or whatever, you know, where they know the cameras aren't present and just beat up on them. And, you know, that's just the way the Harris County Jail is. And, you know, that's, they, they treat them inhumane in jail. Yeah. You know, and they haven't even been convicted of a crime or anything. They just treat them inhumane, no matter, you know, you know, especially people with mental health illness. They treat them, you know, like they're just, I don't, I don't understand it. Yeah. Something needs to be done about it. Yeah, it's this terrible combination of the expansion of police state, white supremacy, and profit. Like, yes. it's... It they it made this ugly county jail situation that you're describing, because um, like you were talking about uh, Gabriella with the cameras, the expansion of cameras it's all under a guise of safety, but that's what the police state does. The police state says they're going to be there for safety, but instead they're going to just to take up 80% of people and not even convict them and beat them up in blind spots um, of the county jail. Yes. The notion, yes. yeah, the notion of public safety is never extended inside to the people in jail. Somehow we're only concerned about public safety when it's in nice neighborhoods on the outside. Um, but think of the amount of crimes that happen and are committed by jailers, you know, where nobody can see. We're not including those in crime statistics. Um, we're also not accounting for the amount of sexual assault that happens in county jail settings. Um, all of these are violations of public safety, and we have to extend that right to people that are incarcerated. Um, I also deeply worry about what being exposed to that kind of violence, even for a very short amount of time. So let's say you're going out with your girls in a bachelorette party and you're arrested for a DWI. You might only spend two days in the county jail, but in those two days, you might witness somebody be assaulted. You would be called names you could never fathom. You might not have access to menstrual products. 
And that can have a, a chain reaction in a person's life. That kind of trauma affects people and follows them for a very long time. Two days in a county jail is also enough to lose your car. You know, two days of fees in an impound yeah. is prohibitive. That can be $400. If you are working an hourly job and doesn't don't have anybody to call in for you, you can lose your job. So these things cascade and they actually contribute to the kinds of harms that happen. Uh, they increase the likelihood of a person needing to take something from Walmart to feed their family because they've lost their job and then we'll recriminalize them for that act. Um, so nothing about the county jail makes us any safer no. at all. Well, and a lot of times, too, whenever you, like, hear about county jail, um, like, if you're in there for, like, two days and you're getting called names or whatnot, it's a lot of um, what, like, they're, like, the, the jailers aren't ever mentioned with, like, their their power in abusing those who are incarcerated. Uh, it's always, like those people who are in there are fighting each other when that's not normally the case, is it? Like, I don't think so. Oh, I wouldn't want to speak to whether or not that's... Conditions inside county jails are meant to provoke. They are meant yes. to dehumanize you, to make you feel alone and isolated and angry. So I'm not going to question that there's no um, kind of altercations between other incarcerated people and other incarcerated people. Um, but I'm certainly not going to say it's their fault. <laughs> um, right. Definitely not. And yeah, I, I, but, but certainly, uh, and unquestionably, um, crimes are committed by jailers. And I, I think it's just that really, that fundamental conflict of power over and those who you have power over. And, uh, when you watch somebody be put in a cage, you're more likely to treat them like an animal. Yes. And when you are in the cage, you're more likely to act like an animal. Yes. And um, then we then we wonder <laughs> yes. why county jails are, are settings of, of depravity. Um, yeah. and, and then, you know, when people come out of the jail, you know, they're bitter because they have experience, you know, uh, like my husband, when he first, you know, went to jail uh, and it's all because of the guards not paying attention and stuff like that. Um, he went to the shower and um, they stole his commissary. And then five guys jumped on him and beat him up. They just beat him up. He said he just had to just not do anything. Just, uh, you know, act like he was just in a, like a, just, he just clutched up. He didn't hit him back. He didn't do anything, but they beat him up, you know, and that's because the guards are not, they're not protecting the people in jail. They are not. They're not protecting people in the jail. And plus they're also harming people in jail as well. They're doing the beating up as long, along with the other inmates in the jail as well. So when they come out of jail, you know, they're really, really bitter. Yeah. I mean, definitely that's, it's like a fishbowl of U.S. terror. Yes. In one place. It, I, yeah. And you haven't even been convicted of a crime, but you're going through all of this psychological trauma Warfare. in the Harris County jail. Yeah. That's so, um, you had mentioned earlier, Goldie, uh, during one of our breaks, um, about how uh, Kim Og, our Harris County attorney, said that she would help you in your situation in some capacity. Um, have you seen her help in any which way, let alone help with this Simmons case? No, not at all. 
not at all. She has not helped at all. I emailed her, you know, I, I spoke to her when I was at the Capitol and she gave me her card and said, you know, just send me an email, you know, we'll see what we can do. But there has been nothing from her. Nothing at all. Yeah. And, and Jerome has a place waiting for him with Veterans Affairs. Um, there is a rehabilitative program that's agreed uh, to accept Jerome, um, but the district attorney has not lowered his bond. And until Goldie's family can come up with $100,000 or, you know, whatever the equivalent right. or the percentage that a bondsman would take, right. he can't access help. Right. Um, and, uh, and that came after a personal conversation between the district attorney and Goldie. Right. And we're now several months later. Um, and, and district attorney Kimog was one of the biggest proponents of this package of quote unquote bail reform bills. Um, testifying herself at the Capitol, um, using a lot of misleading statistics about uh, repeat, quote-unquote, violent offenders here in Harris County in order to advocate for even more pretrial uh, detention when the jail in her own county uh, at that time was hovering around 9,000 people, the size yes. of a city, basically. Um, yeah. Gratefully, today it's closer to 8,300. 8, um, but, but we were definitely shocked. Yeah, shocked. we are. And it's all about money and profit. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, that's the way I see the jail system is right now. I really tell you too, but I think of it as modern day slavery for, for, uh, black and brown people and poor people. That's the way I see the jail today. Definitely. Yeah. Um, what are some specific instances that remind you of that? Just the way that they treat them, you know, the way that they treat them in jail and then also for the, you know, not being able to have a lawyer, you know, to defend them, you know, this, mm-hmm. you know, in reference to whether they're guilty or in- innocent. Uh, and then, uh, like Gabrielle was saying, a lot of them just plea and just say, hey, I'm guilty, even though they haven't been convicted of a crime because they just want to get out of jail. Yeah. And when they plea to that, they don't understand that they're, you know, they're making it harder for other people after them. Because then those people are going to plea as well. So if they've been locked up for a year, they're like, man, I'm so tired. You know, they're waiting on a lawyer. They're waiting on the court case. And they just get tired and they just say, hey, you know, man, you know, I'm just going to plea. I'm, I'm sick of jail. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just they just plea and just say they're, they're guilty. And it's a deadly wait. It's, yes. It's a deadly waiting period. Uh, last year, 111 people died in a county jail. That's 27 times more than the number of people Texas sentenced to death the previous year. Um, and I think people pretty well culturally understand, like, Texas is called the death you know, penalty capital. Mm-hmm. Or, and, and they see it. They see the violence and the racism in, in death penalty. Um, but we're letting 27 times more people die every year in the county jail setting from medical neglect, um, from death by suicide, and from jailer assault. Um, so, so this is a public health crisis in a lot of ways. Um, but 111 people dying on this state's watch um, is a moral stain. Yes. Yeah. And then um, uh, Curie, like serves as, a, unfortunately, like an even microcosm of that, like of of the violence in the in the jails with the jailers and. That's absolutely true. And I'll give you another example. Um, like Jakari, Javante Myers um, was a young black man. He was in Tarrant County, though. That's Fort Worth. 
Um, he was also, uh, not also, but Javante had a disability and had been arrested uh, multiple times for uh, allegedly trespassing as he was unhoused. Um, he died because of a seizure disorder after being ignored and not observed by Tarrant County jailers for days. Um, it, it contributed to a series of violations that decertified the jail for six days last year. Um, but but when my colleague Krish talked to, to Javante's mom, um, she said, my son was never a threat to public safety. Uh, if anything, the $250 bond was a threat to his safety. And I think that's absolutely true. Um, yes. When you weigh one against the other, almost everybody in our county jail system, you know, it, it's more dangerous to have them in the jail than it is to not, you know. So we need to recalibrate how we're thinking about harm and, and who's sitting in our in these cages every night. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, you know, sometimes silence is uncomfortable, but I think in this case it's just warranted. Hmm. Like, that's just so messed up um, on so many different levels. Like, I've, like, it's just a constant, that's, that's, Yeah. Um, well, I guess, uh, let's take a music break because <laughs> that was, a, that was a little heavy. Yeah. You best to free your mind before I free my nine and stop messing with the boy to pop. I feel my hot rocks. Bang, bang, boom, boom, ping, ping. I'm the black, white boys got a magazine and don't know how to act. Make your vomit down with Colin. I do my homage. Do we got a brother? I'm it now. I'm the illest. Wanna kill this house? Dark Cornelius. Can you feel this? You punk suckers make me sick. Sucking on the devil's tricks. Get a revolution. Need to start douching. Houston is the place. I caught a case. Them fools trying to put a scar on my face. But I bust two times to the guts. Do the Reverend Calvin Butts. Got a pair of. I started this gangster hit in 86, now you're dissing me. But publicity, isn't he a hoe to the third degree? Who me? I'm a G that like to scrap a lot. Down with rap a lot, and I can't stop, won't stop. So tell Bill and Hillary, Ice Cube, it ain't no killing me. Yeah, Ice Cube, Scarface, getting with these house suckers and they don't stop. Together as brothers. 
We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. equal. now joining uh, this uh, left of liberal show. We've been talking about Harris County Jail uh, with Gabriella from Texas Jail Project and with Goldie, uh, whose husband is in Harris County Jail. Um, so in, if you missed it and you're like, oh, that sounds great, you can go back to facebook.com slash Mullet and replay the whole interview there. Um, so as we come into the last portion of this uh, this interview, uh, we talked a little bit about um, just them building more gels and the enslavement of people and the the it's not here to actually protect people. It's not here to actually correct. So I think if we could go into that a little bit more um, to unpack the systemic nature of it. and Because we, we talked about uh, the microcosms of your husband in jail and uh, Jiggery. Um, Jiggery, who was uh, murdered in jail, for those of you guys who uh, may have missed it. We can um, start talking about like the bigger things. So from a more 
broader perspective of like statewide machine, what is something that you wish like people knew about all this? One, and I, I think a, a lot of people do know this or had heard it and forgot it, um, but Harris County Jail is the single largest confiner of people with mental illness in our entire state. Uh, and we're careful to say confiner instead of provider because they're not providing uh, robust services. They are just holding them. Um, and beating them. And and often beating them. It's a, a very non-therapeutic setting for, for any person, but certainly for a person with a disability. Um. I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> oh, um, uh, but yeah, so it's a, for, for decades, um, our state has defunded community public health uh, over and over again. We have closed hospitals. We have come up short on the amount of beds available for people um, for long-term stay or care uh, if they have a disability or mental illness. Um, Texas has refused to expand Medicaid. Um and so there are very few options for a person to access treatment. Uh, and certainly in the pandemic, people that even had stable insurance and stable treatment for things that required medication or for uh, mental illnesses, that was interrupted. If they got laid off, they lost their insurance, so they couldn't get medicine. Or their doctor's office wasn't accepting in-person visits, and they didn't have fast internet, so they couldn't get their refills. Um, all sorts of care was interrupted in the pandemic, but, but really this has been going on for decades that our state has chosen to fund punishment instead of fund care. And as a result, our county jails are stuffed to the brim um, and stuffed with people, primarily with disabilities. So that's one thing I'd say. The other thing that I'd want people to know is that there is a lot of profit involved in county jailing. I think people know of for-profit prisons um, where it's actually a private company that owns the prison, you know, and makes money off each person or each bed. Um, but but plenty of people profit off the county jail system, even though it's a county facility. So whether uh, it, that's Aramark in Harris County, Aramark's the company that does concessions for some mm -hmm. of the big arenas in Houston. They also provide the food for Harris County Jail uh, and do a pretty terrible job at it. Um, but they have this massive contract with the county to provide, you know, it's not in the contract, but what they do do is provide molded food, provide caloric deficient food. And then they also have the contract for the commissary store and the commissary store is where you can buy quote unquote extras. So ramen noodle chips, uh, coffee. Um, so Aramark does a poor job on its food service, starves people, and then makes the money off of the special stuff in commissary. Um, then there's Securus. Mm -hmm. They they do uh, telecommunications for the jail. So um, if you want to talk to your loved one uh, more than five times a week, you you get to pay Securus out of your own pocket. And I think Goldie can speak about the impact it's had on her family um, to have to put money in the pockets of companies like Aramark and Securus. Yes, because, you know, I'm steadily having, you know, like once a week, you can put like $50 on his books, and then in about a week and a half, that $50 is gone. Mm -hmm. But then you have to end up putting another $50 on them because they need to talk to someone on the outside so they can, re you know, you know, remain saying, you know, to be okay. So a lot of, a lot of the inmates, and there's some of the inmates in there because the food is so bad that they have to sell their phone calls in order to get some food from another inmate, you know, so they can just have food to eat. So it's just, you know, it's, it's awful to set this off of when it comes to the food and the telephone calls inside the Harris County jail. 
Yeah. And like you said, like uh, Gabrielle was saying, it's all about profit. It's all about profit. They don't care about the inmates at all. And another thing about Harris County Jail, they don't even care about re- rehabilitation or anything in reference to the, uh, you know, the inmates that are locked up in jail. They're not re- really actually doing nothing for them. You know, they spend 24 hours a day just locked up with no, you know, exercising. You know, my husband locked up and, you know, the only thing they can do is just you know, go around the, the jail cell, just go around and around and around. You're not even allowed to go outside or anything like that. It's well to get some fresh air. Um, and like Gabrielle was saying, that's why they prefer, you know, just prison because at least they can go outside. They can't even go outside in the Harris County jail. So. Yeah. Yeah. And um, one thing, one pattern we see over and over again in the county jail system in Texas is how it is so punitive and not preventative. And that could be applied to Mm COVID-19. So all the things they chose to do in response to COVID-19 to quote unquote, keep incarcerated people safe, um, stopping recreation. So Mm -hmm. stopping outside time, stopping visitation. So you can't see your family, uh, delaying mail. None of these are things that the CDC recommended (laughs) outside time and vitamin D in fact, are things that, you know, are good policies for COVID-19. So, but so if they wanted, they were punitive, they were lockdowns, but what they, but what they didn't do was preventative policies. So providing excess amounts of soap or reducing the jail population, mm-hmm. um, they chose to punish instead of prevent. And that's also true of harm, you know, again, back to this idea of public safety, um, they're punishing people. They're not preventing harm. No. They're perpetuating the same cycle of poverty, of punishment, um, and doing nothing to address the root causes of harm, which typically are disabilities, poverty, um, and the militarization of our police in our neighborhoods. Yeah. Well, it, it's all, it all feeds into each other, right? The militarization of our neighborhoods, the incarceration, the enslavement, like, of, of people in our system. Like, it's, it all feeds into each other, and that's just exactly how it was built and like usually when I tell people that (laughs) they're just like that's not how it was built like you know that that doesn't that sounds fake news and it's like well if you really look at our history how else was like how else like we if you look at our founding fathers they were all white people white people slave owners and then we had Jim Crow and then once you know civil rights passed and woo we're not racist anymore you know there was still something that had to happen to continue the oppression and to continue the white supremacy that is our legacy Um, and this is just another iteration of it it never went away Um, it never went away no no and then you know, people don't want to deal with it at all. You know, they're thinking that everybody in jail is a criminal. No, that's not the case. Everyone in jail is not a criminal. That's what they want us to think. Yeah. Yes. That's what they want you to think, but that's not, that's not everybody in jail. Most of the people in jail are not criminals. They're not a harm to society. Uh, they're not any of those things. They're in there, you know, for, you know, but maybe getting caught while walking black or, you know, something like that or, you know, anything like that, you know, or self-medicating or, or, you know, but if you, if you have money and, uh, if you're rich, you know, you, 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 you cannot go to jail. 
That's yeah. just point blank. You don't have to go to jail if you have that money and you got to get that lawyer. And, and you know, a black man can go to jail for the same thing as a white man can. But, uh, you know, they have to stay in jail. But the other person, you know, they get, they get out of jail. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I just think of it as modern day slavery, like I said before. Yeah. That's what I consider it being. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and on the profit piece, um, an important part of that is the bail bondsman industry. And that was one of the scariest parts of the proposed bills in the legislature yes. was how much it would expand the for-profit bail industry. Um, and it's an exploitative industry. It takes non-refundable payments from poor families and um, pays the cash ransom on a person's life. Um, and so that's another person making a profit off this quote-unquote county facility, public facility. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so how can people get involved and help? We went through a lot of heavy stuff today, um, and it was, it's important to talk about. It's, it's, it's very important. But sometimes saying these things can feel very defeating. Um, but it's important to know that there's people working to uh, make things better. So how can people get involved? Well, one, I would just say don't stop watching your county jail. If you're in Harris County, continue to keep an eye on it. Continue to hold District Attorney Kim Ogg accountable. Show up at your county commissioner's courts. Um the system depends on people not knowing what's really going on. Um, so the more people that we know that, that do know what's happening inside a county jail, the better, the more organized uh, and mobilized of a force we can be. Uh, but from a Texas jail project perspective, uh, if you want to get involved, you can visit our website, texasjailproject.org. Uh, Goldie started um, first as the wife of Jerome contacting us for help and then was a volunteer uh, and is now working with us. So, um, we keep our people close and tight. There are opportunities to help with mail, uh, letter writing, commissary deposits. Um, but, but more than anything, I think right now I'd urge people to visit, uh, shedding slash Texas. Um, that's the shedding light project, which, uh, we as an organization did in collaboration with zealous and civil rights Corps. It's a digital archive of about a hundred interviews that we conducted with people in county jails um, once the pandemic started. It'll continue to grow. We hope to have hundreds and hundreds of stories on there, but you can read poetry, first-person essays, hear phone calls um, to resensitize yourself um, to to what's happening inside these facilities. Our goal was to shed light on what we call the routine atrocities, that these are not one-off terrible stories you know these are not bad apple jails um this is systemic this is uh eerily repeating in counties big and small across the state we heard the same things over and over again um so i think that archive is a really great place to start um to help remember and recenter who who you want to fight for um and 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 those people are mothers those people are single fathers veterans people with disabilities Um, and they were very brave in sharing their stories with us. And so, um, we'd be honored if you took the time to listen to them. Yes. And also I would suggest, you know, write your congressman, you know, uh, get involved. Uh, that would be greatly appreciated, especially, 
you know, when it comes to our veterans that have served the country and, you know, um, you know, devoted their lives to this country and, you know, not have been penalized for it. So I would suggest, you know, just write your congressman, do what you can in reference to that as well. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today and having this conversation. Um, it's, I understand it's a very difficult conversation and like you guys do this for your day-to-day -day lives. So to have to like rehash it on a sunny Saturday, um, I, I really do appreciate it. Um, for those of you listening, you know, we cover a broad range of topics every Saturday. Um, and if this is something that you want to get involved in, like, please do. Um, Texas Jail Project, volunteer with them. Um, and if you're like, well, I'm stretched too thin or, you know, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> there's Everybody has a place in the movement um, because there's they're profiting off of us from so many different angles all the time. And even if you don't have enough, um, like enough spoons to action anything, it's important to know and it's important to talk about it. I know it doesn't feel important to talk about it, but it, it is because as Gabriella was saying, um, they benefit from us not knowing, like they depend on it. Um, so talk about it get involved where you can. And if you can't, that's okay. That's okay. Just just talk about it. Um, and that's all we got. And if you missed it, you can visit facebook.com slash Sam the Mullet. I'll be putting timestamps on it so you can fast forward as you'd like. Thanks again, guys. Thank you, You're Sam. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. Thank you.